know what that sound means. It's another exciting installment of the Van Brawl Seasons Podcast, where we talk local sports, both the Atlanta Pro franchises, like the Braves, Hawks, Falcons, and we also talk the University of Georgia Bulldogs. So strap in, guys. It's another exciting episode about to start right now. What up, podcast? This is just Jam and Joe of the Fan Brawl Seasons Podcast. And on tonight's episode, my normal sidekick and host, RD3, is out. He is at the beach this week, living it up and getting a lot of sun, surf, and getting away from sports for a little bit. So to fill in his stead tonight, we've got the man, the myth, the legend, my dad. Dad, how's it hanging? Joe, having a great time. Really excited about uh, getting to visit with you tonight. I'm really envious of RG3. I wish I was eating some seafood and then hanging at the beach, but uh, all in due time, right? Yeah, yeah, all in due time, all in due time. So, Dad, you were at the Braves game last night. Talk to us about that. Yes, Joe, I was uh, lucky enough to uh, get to sit uh, in the Associated Credit Union seats down in in the chop shop. Uh, so we were right, very close to the right field foul pole. And last night there were two or three home runs that came very close to us out there in right field. And uh, we really had a good time. Uh, I was with my brother, Kevin, and my nephew, Mike, who's about to turn 40. Happy birthday, Mike. And Mike's son, Liam. And Liam uncovered a new baseball tradition one of the perks of sitting in those seats is uh, you have waiter service and menus for both food and drink. And Liam and his father had ordered some wings as an hors d'oeuvre, and they were delivered in the second inning. And so as each batter was introduced in the second inning, Liam took a wing and held it up towards the sky. And four of the first five batters hit home runs. <laughs> and we were convincing everybody in our sec- section that uh, it was all due to the, the luck that came from the chicken wings. Well, so, well, whatever works, whatever works to get the Braves offense going. The, the Braves have had a really, really explosive homestand so far with, uh, with the game Monday night with Ronald Acuna Jr.'s Grand Slam. And the two-homer game by Ozzy Albies. And uh, Nick Markakis hit a home run as well and also got his 1,000th uh, career RBI. No, that's really something to think about. Uh, of all the many thousands of players who have played professional baseball, only 250 of them have reached that 1,000 RBI plateau. And so it's a great accomplishment for uh, Nick Markakis. And uh, I think, you know, he's slowly being recognized for the consistent professional player that he is. And that's just another example of of what his career has been like. Would you say since he's come to Atlanta that he's still underappreciated by a lot of the fan base? I think so, uh, mainly because... While he does hit some home runs, you don't get the tremendous home run pop from his bat. But he he gives you very solid at bats. He makes the pitchers work. He, uh, you know, he's an old pro. There isn't anything that he hasn't seen before, and uh, he's a wonderful example to all the young players about how to 
approach the game and take care of their business. So uh, I think, you know, this is his fifth year here, and I think he's he's had a very positive impact on this franchise. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And the other cool thing about him is he's from Woodstock, Georgia. So it's kind of cool for him to come home and play for his hometown team. Yeah, I think he probably uh, gets a kick out of that. Um, and uh, I think that was one of the reasons he was willing to take a contract this year for a lesser amount. You know, when he started looking around, he's at the point in life he's already made so much money. You know, it, I think he appreciates the opportunity of playing at home. No and doubt about it. No doubt about it. So, so tell us more about uh, of the game last night. I know we saw... Uh, the numerous amount of home runs hit by the Braves last night. And one of those guys that did some damage offensively was Brian McCann. How impressed have you been with McCann so far this year? Well, I think uh, he's certainly found his spot with with the Braves. First, he's coming home, grew up here. He grew up in the Braves organization. And the fact that he and Tyler Flowers are pretty much sharing this job 50-50 uh, which means he gets plenty of uh, days off and rest. And it, uh, what the Braves really get a, have a tremendous appreciation for is the impact he can have on the young pitchers, both he and Flowers, because they're, they're experienced catchers and the Braves have such a young collection of pitchers that it's really good, helpful to have an experienced catcher every night. So... Uh, but last night was Brian Brian McCann at his best. Uh, he his bat looked really fast, and uh, you know I can see in my mind's eye. Even one of the times they got him out, he had a wicked line drive to right center, and the outfielder made a nice running catch, and then he hit a line drive home run to left center, and then the the big blow of the game was the three run homer. He hit, which happened to go directly over my head and landed two rows behind me. Uh, while that ball was in the air, I was sitting there thinking, do I, do I stick my hands up there and risk breaking a finger? <laughs> but uh, the ball sailed well over my head, and I didn't end up uh, having to make that decision. I, th- I think you would have had one heck of a story at work the next day if you had caught that ball. I think I would have, uh, you know, I still, you know, as, as you know, I was going to share with the audience, uh, I have a special shirt that I wear on paydays, and yesterday was a payday, and it's a lime green, very bright polo shirt with the associated credit union crest, but it's very, very bright, and um, my friend at work, Steve, in the mortgage department, uh, asked me if I was wearing that to the game. I said, no, I'm going to change into a blue Braves shirt. And he said, no, you need to keep it on so that I can see you out there in right field if they hit any home runs. And I had several, several people come up to me at work today commenting that they saw me uh, on TV, you know, when the home runs were hit out by our seats. So that was a, a new lesson for me is to Wear something that sticks out when you go to a Braves game if you want to be noticed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Another guy we're going to talk about here that had something to do with last night's game is Mike Bolton-Avich. Dad, where are you in terms of your 
of your level of concern or nervousness with Mike? Well, Joe, I'm, you know, we don't have the benefit of really uh, talking to him and understanding things. I can, if, if he is healthy and not in pain or discomfort, I can be a little more patient with him because I see flashes. But if his arm is, if he's in pain or discomfort, I'm ready, you know, for him to get taken care of and, uh, and move along. But he clearly, especially on the breaking balls, uh, he doesn't have the sharp break that he had last year. And that was an integral part of his success last year was to get people off his fastball. He'd throw that wicked breaking pitch that went from 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock. It, it broke down and uh, it really was a devastating pitch for him. And then this year, that pitch doesn't seem to be there uh, his, his breaking ball goes a little more side to side, not up to down. And uh, he's getting hit a lot harder than what we were used to seeing him last year. Last year, he was one of the hardest guys in the National League to score on. And and this year, they're, they're swinging their bats, you know, taking their shots with him. So, so speaking of pitching, the, the Braves, as we know, have made – a pretty big move, and that move is signing former 2015 Cy Young Award winner Dallas Keuchel. What are your thoughts on Dallas Keuchel, and what type of impact do you think he can bring the Braves rotation? Well, Joe, a lot of people around were of the mindset that the, the Braves' starting rotation was fine and they really had to get bullpen help. But I've felt all along this year that they really needed one, at least one solid old pro that they could turn to in the starting rotation. Um, now, Julio Tehran has has filled that role and really pitched quite well as of late, but uh, I'm excited for the Braves to get Dallas Keuchel to take him down the stretch. He, that's an experienced left-handed arm, and uh, I think he's he's going to pay dividends and you know I, I still would like to see him help the bullpen but I really like what what we're getting from uh, from Dallas I love it too I think I think you can instantly put him in uh in in a big spot and that and that would mean if you're a wild card team or if you happen to win the National League East and you have to go on the road somewhere or home you you can put him in or you can put Keuchel in game one or game two, however you want to put he and Soroka together. But but I but I think uh, a combination of Soroka, Keuchel, Keuchel, Soroka, and then you mix in Max Freed, I mean, it, I mean, it's a pretty nice one, two, three punch the Braves have. And Joe, I've really been impressed with uh, Sean Newcomb of late, and I'm hoping, I would really like to see him get another crack at starting the way he's been throwing. Now, they certainly need him in the bullpen to fill the role he's filled for the last few weeks because if he leaves, there'll be a gaping hole there. I but agree. I, I think they've that he has definitely uh, fixed some things. And there's part of me that's kind of curious to see what uh, Newcomb would be like if he got another start. Well, Dad, I don't know if you heard last week's episode, but RG3 and I talked about this extensively, like what to do with Newcomb. And... 
I'm in the extreme minority. I've and I've expressed this opinion last. Continue to do it for the rest of the year. I think Newcomb could be the Braves closer. I really do. I know I sound nuts. I know I sound crazy. Sean Newcomb being the Braves closer. What are you talking about, Jamie Joe? But listen, I've got. I've got that much faith in Newcomb. I think Newcomb's fastball is good enough where he can get both righties and lefties out consistently. His curveball is that good. It's that nasty. And he's working on a changeup that looks improved from where it was a year ago. I think Sean Newcomb would be more beneficial to be the Braves closer than anything else. Because I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm not a, I don't have faith in Luke Jackson like a lot of people do. Like Brian Snicker does. I... I I don't see how this Luke Jackson thing can happen much longer. I, I it almost kind of reminds me of like Cinderella. Like I think eventually the clock's gonna strike midnight and Luke Jackson's just gonna be average Joe again. You know what I mean? Well, we'll we'll see. What do you think's gonna happen with Kevin Gosman? Well, that's an interesting thing. You, you know, I read Monday that Gosman has plantar fasciitis and is on the disabled list. That that's what they said. I don't know if that's true or not. That might be a rumor just to get him out of the rotation. But I think Gosman is a serviceable guy to the bullpen. I think he could do you some good uh, as a long guy. I mean, again, I'll go ahead and say this too. I would much rather have Kevin Gosman coming out of the bullpen than Anthony Swarzak. I I don't trust Swarzak and I don't trust Luke Jackson. Those are the two people in the Reds bullpen I don't trust. Other than that, I feel like our bullpen is pretty good. That's just my opinion. Very good. So, Dad, we're going to keep the Braves talk going here. What well, what are your thoughts on uh, on, on uh, a guy in Ozzy Albies? You know, he kind of had, like, kind of an up-and-down May, but he's really heated up in the month of June. Well, Joe, he strikes me as one of those major league hitters that uh, will go through, period, you know, periods of where he's red hot and he can carry a team. And then he can go a couple weeks where you really don't hear much from him. But uh, he's a fan favorite. Uh, he's always got that big smile on his face. He plays hard. He's blessed with tremendous athletic talent, both as a hitter and a fielder. Very strong arm. And speaking of that, did you see the play he made on Sunday in the hole? Yeah, that was amazing. That was unbelievable. I, th- I think if there are people out there that are questioning Ozzy Albies' defense, all you have to do is just watch that. I mean, that that is ridiculous, that play that he made. That was the number one play on SportsCenter that, last week. So that was pretty cool, too. Well deserved. No doubt, no doubt. So another guy we're going to talk about in terms of the Braves lineup is uh, Dansby Swanson. You, you know, Dansby's really taken off in the number two spot, and I just want to hear what you have to say about Dansby. Well, he's maturing as a professional, and uh, it's good to see him, you know, take the next step. Uh, I, I really like what we're seeing. There's a lot of pop in that bat. His bat is quicker, but we're also seeing him hit to the opposite field a lot more than we saw earlier in his career, and that's a sign of maturity, and uh, I think that's going to make him a more dangerous uh more productive, a dangerous hitter to the other teams and productive for the Braves. Uh, I also like what I see from him in terms of plate discipline. He seems to have a a good understanding of what the strike zone is. And then his glove has been terrific. So 
you know, I'm really excited about what we're getting from Dansby Swanson right now. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And and like we talked about, the the glove has always been there, but Dan, but Dansby is finally healthy. He's starting to figure it out offensively, and he just looks comfortable in that two spot. Yes, he does. Um, that that part of the lineup's been good for the Braves. Been very productive. So let's watch it roll. I think I think you could argue, Dad, that if the Braves can figure out the bullpen that and what and uh, how Keuchel performs. That the Braves' offense, couldn't you argue you, is one of the top offenses in the National Yeah, and rolling lately, uh, it's certainly a very deep lineup. There, there, aren't, there isn't anybody that you can just groove a fastball down the middle, you know, get it over, because uh, all these guys can hurt, you know, hit it hard and can hurt you. So this is, this is a fun, interesting Braves' offense, and... Uh, uh, it really bodes well for the future. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. An- another guy we're going to talk about in terms of the Braves lineup is Ronald Acuna. And just kind of the hot start he's gotten off to since May 10th, since going back into the leadoff spot. Do, do you see Ronald Acuna being the Braves leadoff hitter for the rest of his career? Well, Joe, it certainly appears he's more comfortable there. Uh and he's certainly been very productive there. So the way baseball has changed lately um, with all the analytics, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with him being there. The leadoff hitter is the one, the one person who should have the most at-bats. And don't you want you know strong, productive hitters to get the most at-bats over the course of a year? I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I really don't. I don't either. I don't either. And we talk about how deep how, how deep the Braves lineup is. A guy who was off to a really hot start, but has kind of come back down to earth a little bit, has been Austin Riley. I'm, I'm still impressed with what he's doing. I think he's doing a great job in left field. And you could, and you could argue that he has a chance to maybe win Rookie of the Year if he heats back up here. Well, I, I certainly would think that. You, know, you can't expect him to continue at the pace no, he's at. That, and, that was ridiculous. But he's uh, he's shown us a lot, and you know the ability with one swing of his bat, you know he can change a game quick. Uh, we've seen that a couple of times where uh, his home runs. Or don't just go up in number, but they seem to go up in terms. He hits a lot of, uh, he gets a lot of big hits for you. So it doesn't appear that uh, the you know the moments are going to be too big for him. That you know it looks like he's one of those guys that has the ability to rise to the occasion. So I'm really excited about Austin Riley. And Dad, we're going to switch subjects here to kind of close out the show. Uh, the NBA draft is on Thursday. My one question for you, what do you think is the Hawks' biggest need going into the draft? Well, Joe, I don't know that they draft based on need anymore because they, they've sort of done away with the traditional positions. I think everybody just drafts the best player that's available when it's their pick. You know, the prototype of an NBA is, is probably... Clay Thompson, uh, but you're looking for somebody that can shoot from the perimeter, defend, and and has has a willingness to share the ball. So, 
And the Hawks have several of those type of players already, and I think that's what they're probably going to be looking for going forward. Also, teams are all trying to get, you know, bigger players at the at the various positions, but I think the way the game has changed, it's more important that you uh, have people that can, you know, Draymond is probably the great example of that. Uh, he physically, he doesn't, you look at him, he doesn't say center to you or a post player, but you know he's very productive for the Warriors uh, at his size. And I think the Hawks are just going to be looking to follow that Golden State footprint and uh, identify you know, well-rounded uh, five-tool players. I could see that. A, cu- a couple of guys that I look at that could really help out the Hawks in my opinion, would be Jarrett Culver of Texas Tech. I really think he's a dynamic scorer, and he can really help out the Hawks. DeAndre Hunter is another dynamic three-man from Virginia, and Cam Reddish from Duke. Those are the three small forwards that I kind of like. You you know, now that Torian Prince has uh, been traded to the Brooklyn Nets, were you surprised when the Hawks made that trade? Well, I, I clearly recognize that. The current administration was not here when Prince was drafted, but I was always very impressed with what Prince brought to the court. He he played hard, he played defense, and he was a good perimeter scorer. So to answer your question, yeah, I'm I'm surprised. He's a young player still playing on a relatively inexpensive contract. I, it's hard to believe that they parted ways with him, but it is. It really did. is, and. Kind of my last question in terms of the EMEA draft, Nicholas Claxton, the former UGA basketball great, is uh, decided to keep his name in the NBA draft. Are you surprised that he's uh, staying with this decision and not coming back to school? From where I sit, yes, I'm very surprised because my basic understanding of the way that the draft works, there's a major difference between being drafted 30th which means you're a first-rounder, and 31st, which means you're a second-rounder. And I think Claxton is is going to be in that, you know, somewhere between 28 and 36. And if you're beyond 30, you know, you don't get that guaranteed three-year contract. And uh, it, it would seem to me that Claxton would have come back for one more year and uh, – to try and assure that he ended up in a, you know as a in the top 30 but i wish him nothing but the best i enjoyed watching him play but um and i hope you know that there's a team out there maybe that'll take him in the first round maybe the hawks maybe the hawks they have three picks uh he has a lot of potential but whoever drafts him is is probably going to have to be willing to let him grow and develop I don't know that he's ready to move right in right now. Well, well, you talked about bigger players, and that's what made that, and that's the first name that came to mind was Nicholas Claxton. I think, I think the world of him potential-wise, I, I just hope he finds his right fit in the NBA and uh, has a successful career. Well, Joe, I wanted that before we go. I wanted to ask you two questions. What's up? Okay, in Omaha, Nebraska this week, we have uh, the College World Series starting. Do you have any uh, any favorite going into this? Uh, I'm, I mean, I know Auburn's really on fire right now. 
I heard they scored 13 runs in the first inning against North Carolina to make it to the World Series. So I so I guess Auburn would be interesting. Would be an interesting story. Help the SEC. I can't believe I said that being a Georgia fan. Um, but uh, but yeah, I guess Auburn would be interesting. What, what do you Florida State? What do you think of Florida State? They came to Athens and beat Georgia twice, I, and they went to LSU and and beat the Tigers twice. And this is from a team that was seeded third, so that clearly the expectations weren't that great, and uh, they look like world beaters right well, now. Well, like we talked about the other day when we were just hanging out, we were talking about Florida State, and you and I both said. They might be that charm team. You, you know, Mike Martin is in his last year at Florida State. And he's, uh, and, and it might be one of those win one for uh, Coach Martin. Because, you know, that's the one thing that's eluded him in his career is he's never brought Florida State a national championship in baseball. Somebody told me that in the 40 years he's been coaching, his team has won at least 40 games every year. Holy cow. That's a lot of baseball that's games. That's something else. That's something that's, else. that's very consistent. So, uh, what was your what's your last question? My last question, Joe. Uh, this weekend out in the Bay Area, we're going to have a little golf tournament. United States the Open. United States Open. We're getting a foursome together. I know. I'm just asking you. Give me two or three names that you're going to be interested in following this weekend. Well, the two names that I'm going to follow, I really like Brooks Koepka. I think he's, I think he's a really really talented golfer and a guy that uh, that, that has taken the golf world by storm. And another guy that I really really like is uh, is Kevin Kisner from the University of Georgia. He's a really good golfer, really successful. So probably those two. How about you? Well, I was really uh, Rory McIlroy and uh, Jordan Spieth. We haven't heard that much from them lately. Are you surprised about that? And then last Sunday, Rory went off and, and won the Canadian Open with just an incredible round of golf, shot a 61. You know, maybe we're maybe it's time for Rory to get back. Um, Jordan, his short game to me is... Is not where it needs to be for him to win this tournament, but uh, I give Rory a good chance. And then, uh, you know, Tiger has a pretty good track record on this course, so he certainly knows his way around it. But uh, there are a lot of people in this field that um, that can make a run at it, so it, it should be a lot of fun. Well, my last question for you: Are you taking Tiger or the field? Oh, the field. Yeah, I'll take the field, too. Now, the, the days of Tiger at the field, or the field, were 15, 20 years ago. There's way too many really good golfers today to uh, to think that one golfer is uh, has that much has that much influence over the, the course of the tournament. No doubt, no doubt. Well, Dad, I think we covered everything around the world of sports here. Thanks for subbing in this week on the Fan Brawl Seasons podcast. And uh, so that's that. So for my dad, I'm Jamin Joe. This has been another exciting installment of the Fan Brawl Seasons podcast. And we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya.